Well, good morning, New Life Church. Welcome to the 10 o'clock service today. We, uh, the eight o'clock service this morning was a little sleepy, you know, with this uh, daylight savings that I hope we can strike down in the Senate, get this thing right. Anyway, some of you are like, what are you even talking about? Uh, yes, welcome to church. We have about 300 of you in this room that were not here at nine because you needed a little extra sleep. We get it. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Matthew chapter six? If you don't know, big deal, it'll be on the screen. I'm actually gonna be reading some of the most iconic words in the last 2,000 years in human history. It's the Lord's Prayer. And I'll read it out of the message translation today. Some of you have different translations. You can look at the difference between the texts. But what I'll do is I'll read these words and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. We're in week nine of our series going through the Sermon on the Mount, this great sermon from Jesus announcing the kingdom. So hear the word of the Lord Jesus today. And in the Lord's prayer right before it, he says, the world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God, using prayer as a lever to leverage God. He says, don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. And with a God like this loving you, Jesus says, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge, you can do anything you want. You want. You're ablaze in beauty, yes, yes, yes. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Can you begin to confess your need for the Lord to speak to you right now? We did not come here to be entertained. We did not come here because we're bored. We did not come here because there's nothing better else to do. Lord, we came here because we believe with a deep conviction that you from of old are the God that speaks. And when you speak, the world changes. When you speak, healing breaks out. When you speak, conviction comes and repentance comes. When you speak, you make us a holy people. And so Lord, today, we invite you to come and speak to us. We pray that you would strengthen us and challenge us and encourage us. Bring us into your joy. Make us your holy people afresh. We pray these things today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily, these Words have been prayed for 2,000 years all over the globe. Children in orphanages in Guatemala have prayed this. Saints living in Scotland on highland ranches for thousands of years have prayed these words. In sub-Saharan Africa, all over the region, saints in the bush have prayed this, our Father 
in the in hiking through the Himalayas, even Sherpas will take these words on their lips. Get us back down the mountain. Our father who art in heaven. Like these words, they pulse with life. People who don't follow the Lord can say, give us this day our day. We, we know these words. For my family, we have a routine. With our three kids, we get up in the morning and the kids are eating breakfast at six at the, the little bar there in the kitchen and pancakes and milk and then they get dressed for school and then we get in the car at seven. We've got about a 20 minute drive in and we're, we're driving in on Hodgin and listen to two chapters of the Bible and then we turn left on 83 and once we get down to 83 in Northgate and turn right, one of the kids, we, the, one of them, who's, whoever's riding shotgun, they're on a three-day rotation where they get shotgun every three days, right? They fight about it, so we just made a schedule. Shut up, you know? It's not your day, you know? So we turn right on Northgate, and when we turn right on Northgate, the, the one riding shotgun says, this then is how the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. We all pray together, and then we say amen. And I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his faith. Now go into school and be a missionary, amen. These words pulse through the cosmos. These words have life. These words have been given to us by Jesus as a way of entering into prayer. And I've been preaching through the Lord's Prayer for now 15 years as a, a weekly preacher. Pastor Brady's been preaching 30 years. And one, one thing that's fun about being a, a preacher for a long time is you can look back at what you've learned and what you've said and, and all the sermons that people had to endure. I pray for the people who had to listen to me 15 years ago, you know? But I prayed through, preached through the Lord's Prayer. And today I just want to take three phrases that stand out to me. And put these three phrases, next year it might be something else, but these three phrases right now that I want you to see, and three points with each phrase. Phrase number one from the Lord's Prayer, set the world right. Your kingdom come. Jesus calls us to be people who pray these words. The English word for prayer derives from the Latin word precarius, which means we pray because life is precarious. We pray because life is wild. We pray because life is dynamic. We pray because all of a sudden life has been working and then out of nowhere, boom, you're thrown into a hospital room you didn't expect to be in. We pray because the relationships that seem to be airtight are now taking on water and it looks like the ship's going down. We pray because life is wild. And Jesus said, I want you to pray, set the world right. Look up to your father who's in heaven, your father who has a dream for creation, your father who has a dream for your life. And when the story gets interrupted and when there's a threat, lift your hands and lift your voice to heaven and say, set the world right. If you read the newspaper, you know that there's plenty to pray about. Boko Haram a few years ago, storms into northern Nigeria and abducts 200 schoolgirls and rips them off and takes them into sex slavery, sells them all over the region. And we pray, God, set the world right. This is wrong. You see what's happening in Ukraine and you say, God, set the world right. Eight weeks ago in Syria and in Turkey, life was normal. 
until the Richter scale shook and 47,000 people, that's a a, a safe estimate, 47,000 people are buried under the rubble and killed. You've got little babies being born under the rubble and being passed through little cracks in the debris with umbilical cords hanging from them. And you look at this on the news and you don't go, oh gosh, you go, God set the world right. We need healing in this place. We need your kingdom to come. We need your will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Jesus in the Lord's prayer is inviting us to be intercessors. Jesus in the Lord's prayer is inviting us to stop praying just our precious little prayers. If you wanna pray for a parking spot at the mall, that's fine. No one's going to the mall anymore. You're fine, there's no competition, okay? So if you need to pray precious prayers, that's fine. But Jesus says, I need you to do heavy lifting. I need you to press in. I need you to do work. I need you to care about the ache of the world, which is why we have these flags in this place today. Because every week we wanna come into the presence of God and remember, it's not just us in our little insular bubble here in 80921. No, the world is big and the kingdom is large and there's, there's difficulty at every turn. Jesus says from the beginning, I want you to pray, set the world right, your kingdom come. When Jesus is preaching this, immediately the Hebrews up on the the mountainside started hearing resonances with Isaiah chapter 25, which was one of their iconic texts. Isaiah 25 is sort of the Revelation 21 of the, the New Testament. For the Old Testament believers, these are ones who understood what God's kingdom on the earth would look like when the great day of the Lord came. And I want you to see this. Isaiah says on the mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast, the mountain of Zion, the people of Israel. When God sets all things right, he'll prepare a feast of rich food for all the peoples. He'll set a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. Isaiah is telling them what's coming. On this Mount Zion, he will destroy what? The shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers over all nations. God will lift it and he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and he will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Oh God, do that work. Isaiah says that there's a shroud that enfolds all nations, that there's a sheet that covers up all the peoples. I did this on Friday night. I almost asphyxiated while I was preaching. There's a storm of static electricity shooting through my body right now. John Egan could never do this with his hair. <clears throat> but how many of you know there's certain times in life where like you can see clearly and things are fine and yeah, smooth and you're paying the bills and the kids are loading the dishwasher without being asked. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. It's working. You're living your life and you're, you're paying your bills and you're trying to be decent and you're showing up on time and the relationships seem to work. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, you are swept up into this thing that has enfolded your life. You're, you're ushered into a hospital room that you never expected and, and, and the relationship that seems so strong is now fractured. And, and have you ever just felt like you're trying to just make it through life and you're swimming through the chaos? And, and Isaiah says, that in the great day of the Lord, 
when he, when he cracks open that bottle of perfectly aged wine and prepares the finest meats on Mount Zion, that the shroud that enfolded all people, that the sheet that has covered the world, it will be removed once and for all and there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more mourning, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more funerals because there will be no more death. And Jesus says, right in the middle, Isaiah 25 and Revelation 21, Jesus says, I'm inviting you into intercession to pray right here and right now. Your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth. Set the world right, God. Set the world right. Jesus needs a church that is ready to intercede. Jesus needs a church that cares. The Lord's prayer is an invitation into a life of intercession. But I wanna now say to you, if you're gonna live a life of intercession, I think you'll need at least two things. If any of us are gonna pray like this, we're gonna need two things. The two things I think you'll need at the very least is you'll need a list and you'll need a place. A prayer list. Some of you are sophisticated and you've got moleskin journals from the last 40 years and you've just dwelt in the presence of the Lord and you go to your bookshelf and you pull out, oh, 1972, yes, God, here you go and you show us your inner, that's beautiful. If it's a moleskin journal, keep going. Some of you, you got a whiteboard at your house. Others of you are chicken scratching on little legal pads. And some of you have note apps in your phone. You've got a list. But I'll tell you, if you're going to intercede for the long haul, you need your list. Lisa and I, every morning, our routine, she's always up before I am. And she's thinking and she's praying. And she's, she, whenever I open my eyes, she goes, so I've been thinking. That's the first thing I hear. Is so I've been thinking and I say, oh no. <laughs> and, and she takes me into her world and, and her plans and we should buy this and we should sell that and we should do this with the kids. And, and, and then she puts her hand on my chest and she says, this, is, this then is how the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. And after we pray the Lord's Prayer, then here's our list. We pray for our four parents who thank God all four of them are still alive. Lord bless David and Becky. Bless Larry and Linda and strengthen them, fill them with your spirit. Lord, we thank you that their latter days will be greater than their former days. We thank you that they'll flourish and they'll prosper. Thank you for Grandma Wheezy, 91-year-old Saint Lapway, watching this morning. I love you, Wheezy. Lord, pray, we pray blessing over Wheezy that she would flourish in every way and keep her strong and keep her joyful. And Holy Spirit, fill her house today. Lord, we pray for Lillian. We pray for Wilson. We pray for Wakely. We pray, Lord, that you give them good friends and you, you rebuke the devourer for their sake and that you'd keep them from evil. Lord, we pray for their teachers. If your kids go to school, pray for their teachers. Why would you not intercede for the people who spend eight hours a day with your children. Their coaches, their administrators, the people, their pastors who are laying hands on them in Jesus' name and raising them up to be a blessing in the world. So we click through our list. We've got national leaders. We've got local leaders. We pray for pastors Brady and Pam and for our elders and then for our friends that we know are on the brink. If you're going to intercede over the long haul, you have to make a list. Your list will change as the seasons of life change. Go ahead and edit that document, but carry the burdens of the people of God into the place of prayer. Jesus has invited us to take on other stories into our lives. We're not just praying for number one. Can you say amen today, church? If you're gonna pray, you've gotta have a list, but you've also gotta have a place. As you read the scriptures, it's fascinating to me. I did a study. I wrote a book a couple years ago called The Power of Place. Like place matters to me. But I was looking this week through scripture and looking at all the saints who changed the world. And all these saints had their places where they went to pray. 
Think about Daniel, the, the, the prophet who my parents named me after. And Daniel, he was in Babylon in this evil regime. He wasn't, he wasn't blessed and highly favored in Jerusalem. He was in Babylon living under a dominating regime. And Daniel, it says in Daniel 6, that when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, that the Jews couldn't worship Yahweh anymore, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. That Daniel every single day, morning and noon and evening said, Yahweh, I worship you almighty God. There is none like you. I give you praise for your my righteousness. And he, it says he opened his window and he faced toward Jerusalem. Why? because he was remembering Isaiah 25. I'm in Babylon right now, but a great day of the Lord is coming when he will lift the, the shroud that enfolds all people and he'll take the sheet off of their faces and all the nations will gather and there will be meat and there will be wine and there will be no more tears and there will be no more death. When he's pointing his life toward Jerusalem, opening that window, what he's saying is there is a greater reality than Babylon. <laughs> There's a greater reality than the small story I'm living in. And he positioned his imagination. He positioned his heart. He positioned his physical body toward the truest story in all the world. Daniel had his place. Jesus had his place. He goes into the garden of Gethsemane to, to sweat and, and cry drops of blood. He, his body is aching. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Jesus in Gethsemane and Daniel in his prayer closet is a statement to us that we need to find our place where we can bring our tears and our broken hearts into the presence of God. Think about Mother Hannah, who all she wanted was a baby. Just give me a boy. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. She runs to the temple of God and she intercedes year after year and probably close to 15 years until God grants her cry and gives her a son. We need our list and we need our place. This touches me personally in my own story because I've heard stories about my great-grandmother a couple weeks ago at this 11 o'clock, I briefly mentioned great-grandmother Smith. I wanna show you the land that she lived on in Idaho where my grandma Wheezy lives today. This is the barn that her Greek immigrant husband, Hieronymus Asimokopoulos built. And then the white house right next to it uh, is the house that he built. And she lived in, uh, great-grandpa Harry was out in the hay fields and he'd worked a hard day. He had his cowboy hat on. We have his cowboy hat to this day that that he was wearing when this happened. He came in between the house and the barn. He put his pitchfork in the ground, had a heart attack, fell over and died right there on the lawn. And his wife and six kids came out, circled him up, prayed, thanked God for him, and they dug a hole. And Grandma Smith lived in that house by herself for the last 26 years of her life. And this is what she had. I wanna show you this second picture. Look at the second picture of Grandma Smith. For the last 26 years of her life, she lived in that house by herself. She never drove a car. She never had a TV. She never had a refrigerator. She sat in that house for 26 years and she interceded. She prayed 
There were times where she was lonely. My mom would drive down the hill. My mom was a teenager, got her license at 14, would pick up Grandma Smith and drive her to church at 14 on Sundays. And she'd spend time with her. And Grandma Smith sat in this chair until she died. And she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. Two of her boys went over to Hawaii during the Second World War and they fought and she sat and prayed for 33% of her children were off at war. And she was saying, God, set the world right. God, please bring peace, bring shalom, cause these wars to cease. God, Isaiah 25 says that you'll wipe away every tear and I'm asking you to do it now for my sons and keep them safe and keep them strong. She prayed, she prayed, she prayed. She had her list and she had her place. And so what I'll say to you today is this first thing is make your list and pick your place and spend the rest of your life praying, God set the world Right, can you say amen today, church? The second phrase that stands out to me in the Lord's Prayer today that I want you to grab hold of in your heart is this phrase, do what's best. Do what's best. Your will be done. Have you ever been out of your depths? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you didn't know what to do? Have you ever, for me, it happens all the time. This will be funny to some of you who are carrying your man card with you today in your wallet, but I don't know anything about cars. I don't know anything, anything about cars. And we've got Massey's here in the house and Cal Massey, a man of God who recently entered his rest. He's, he's been a mechanic here in town for 30 plus years. And I'd take him the keys and I'd take him the car and I would say to Cal, do what's best. Because <laughs> I am out of my depths, brother. I would say, treat it like it's yours. If you would spend money on it, I trust you. Do your thing. This car now is your car and do what's best, Cal Massey. Many of you have been in hospital rooms. I was just in a hospital room two weeks ago with my brother right here who was just swept up into a situation. I'm looking at these two beautiful people that I was with in the hospital and the story, the, the report from the doctor and, and, and it was it was a whole lot to take in in a short amount of time. And I remember just standing in there kind of being overwhelmed and I can't imagine what the two of them felt being overwhelmed. And essentially after some time talking with the doctor, my brother and my sister right here said to the doctor, do what's best. This is what you do. You've trained your whole life for this. You've gone to school for this. You've been sober thinking about how to heal people and to raise people up. We trust you. We, there's a whole lot we don't know. We have way more questions than we have answers. Do what's best though. I remember situations with my children, really four kind of key seminal moments as a, a dad of three kids where kids were swept up into a season where they didn't really know what to do and, and, and they, they didn't really understand how high the stakes were, but they looked me in the eyes and Lisa and I were able to say to them, do you trust us? You, like, we've been with you, right? You trust us, you, you believe us, you think. And our kids essentially, without being able to articulate it this way, they said to us, do what's best. And in the Lord's prayer, Jesus is inviting us into a training in trust. A training in trust. I don't like to pray, give us this day our daily bread. I like to pray, give me this year my yearly bread and then I'll steward it and budget it out and then I don't need to live by faith for a year. I'll trust myself. I'm good, God, I've got this. I want to graduate from trust. Can we just be honest that trusting God for daily bread is not easy. But Jesus says, here's how you pray. 
pray, do what's best, God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give me this, I'll just live at the hand of God every single day. Jesus in the Lord's prayer is inviting us into a training in trust. It's not easy, but it's the only way to live. And so when you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do with your business, you employ 25 people and you're signing the front of the check and you've been carrying the burden that nobody else carries when they lay their head on the pillow at night. And it feels like the economy just shifted overnight and you're, you're, you're on your back foot. What you say in that moment is, do what's best, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. When your kids go off to college, very often many of you felt like they were being sent out well and you did everything you could do and they get there and the enemy sends some fool their way that hooks into their imagination imagination and drags them off in the wrong direction. And you can't control them anymore because they're a thousand miles away and they think they're grown. And you say, God, there's no one I love more on the planet than those babies. And you know that, and you know that I would love to manipulate this moment. You know that I would love to be able to pull a string and jerk them back into line. You know that I can't, and so I say to you, they are yours, God. I entrust them to your care. Do what's best, your kingdom come. The Lord's prayer is a training in trust. The Lord's looking for intercessors. He's looking for people who will be willing to trust him. But the third thing, the third phrase that I want you to hear today that Jesus puts in front of us is keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Now the end of that phrase is super easy. Keep us safe from the devil because we know 1 Peter 5, 8, that your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, be sober-minded and alert. We understand that the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy. And so it's easy to look up and say, keep us safe from the devil. But Jesus says, pray to God that he'd keep you safe from yourself. And look, I, I don't have any hard scientific data to prove this to you, I'll tell you anecdotally right now in the life and in the place that I'm living with the people I know and the people I'm pastoring, it feels to me like people are destroying themselves at an alarming rate. Like something happened. So we shifted into a new season of crazy. We shifted into a season where people just uh, started mailing it in. They fell asleep at the wheel. Pastor Brady for years has talked about the decade of stupid. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the decade of stupid? Pastor Brady talked about that. 45 to 55. The decade of stupid. Uh, 20 years old, what you used to have to get up and seek the Lord for and fast and pray for and, and just contend in the presence of God. You show up at 45 and you're better at your craft than you've ever been. Very often you're making more money than you've ever made and you kind of fall asleep at the wheel and you get distracted. Like David, when he, when he, when it says in the times that kings went out to war, David stayed home. He sent somebody else to go fight and David fell asleep at the wheel. It was his decade of stupid. And he goes out on the top, rooftop and he sees Bathsheba and he rips her away from her husband and destroys his life and lives all around him. Jesus says, when you pray, pray, God, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Church, it's a season to wake back up. 
The enemy comes to destroy us, to steal and to kill and to, to tear our lives to shreds, but it doesn't have to be this way. If you'll tuck yourself away in the presence of God, if you'll create your list and you'll find your place, your place in your home and your place at your church and with your small group, with your people, come to the World Prayer Center. Have a corporate place and have a private place of prayer. Run your life by other people who can help you discern what wisdom looks like. As we do this, we will stand, we will endure, we will make it through the decade of stupid. I'll just tell you today that point number three, the Lord's Prayer is a call to spiritual sobriety. It's a call to wake back up. There is no group of people more impotent than the people who have been called by God's name who have forgotten how to pray. A church that has neglected its first love. A church that has walked away from its founding document. A church that has forgotten how to humble itself and pray and to seek God's face and to turn from our wicked ways because when we turn from our wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven and will forgive our sins and heal our land. And wouldn't you know that the enemy wants us to forget this posture, which is the most powerful posture we have on planet earth. The church is being called right now by Jesus to wake back up. The first point in the Lord's prayer, he's calling us to invite God's kingdom to come set the world right. He's calling us to intercession. He's calling us to tuck ourselves away and to, to live in daily trust. And he's calling us to be people that give him everything, wake up to, our, to this moment of spiritual sobriety. Prayer is the daily practice of bringing the scattered scraps of our lives into the presence of God so he can put the pieces back together. So I'll just say to you, don't leave your house in the morning without praying. If, if, if all you can do is start with 10 minutes, some of you are schooled in this. Some of you have been doing this for a long time. You've got muscle memory in the place of prayer and an hour is easy for you. I, some of you are just getting started. Take five minutes, open up the Lord's prayer and just pray through it and give your life over to God. And what you're doing is you're bringing the scattered pieces of your life and you're putting them on the table. And Jesus, by his spirit, is putting the pieces back together. March of 2019, a wild tornado came through Beauregard, Alabama. I'm an Oklahoma boy. We, we had movies made about us. We know Twister and all this crazy. Like I remember sleeping through the alarms because it just became so common. You'd get in the bathtub and they'd put a, a twin uh, mattress over you and you'd get down, you'd pray in the spirit. And then an hour later, you'd come out and you'd eat some cereal and you'd go to bed. Like I know tornadoes. This is me. This is my life, right? Beauregard, Alabama, March of 2019, 100 plus mile an hour storm comes through and it is decimating everything in its way. And there was a woman there, a church mother who'd spent her life 72 years, spent her life growing up in the church. She was an intercessor. She had vast tracts of the scriptures memorized and she'd hidden the word of God in her heart. And she was one of those people that if you were on the brink, you would come to this woman of God and she would anoint you with oil and she would pray for you and her name, Miss Ernestine Reese. And the winds ripped that night and came through and she was living in a house by herself and the winds roared and tore down her house. And after the storm had subsided, her children and grandchildren who lived just within the same town, 15 minute drive, they came over to Miss Ernestine's, Grandma Ernestine's house 
And they looked at the house and by the, by the sight, it, she was dead. Of course she's dead. No one lives through anything like this. But somehow, some way, when they got to the house, they heard her praying under the rubble, like, like Turkey and Syria rubble right now. And there's Miss Ernestine. She, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it. And they can't find her. They hear her. <laughs> oh God, I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give you. They start digging through the house, trying to find grandma Ernestine and they found her. And I've got 22 seconds of a video right after the storm. I want you to see Miss Ernestine Reese. Look at this 22 second video. I thank oh the God. Lord and tell God, thank you, Tinking. You hear me, boy? Yeah, watch the watch. Watch the You watch. hear me? Tell God, thank you. <laughs> tell God, thank you. <laughs> hey, no glad in the nothing but the power of God. She said, hey, it ain't nothing but the power of God. She's FaceTiming with her grandson, Kiki. Hey, Kiki, tell God thank you, baby. Tell God thank you. She's laughing. What does it take for a 72-year-old? They picked her up. They, they gave her some oxygen. They put her in a wheelchair. They put a Batman T-shirt that they found in the rubble on her head to dry her head. And they put an old jersey over her to keep her warm. She's on the brink. Her whole life has been destroyed right in front of her. All the adrenaline. And she, they put her on FaceTime. And she's laughing. And she's saying, hey, Kiki, you tell God thank you, baby. It ain't nothing but the power of God. After they cleared away the debris, there was one portion of her house that was standing. I want you to see this second picture. You know what that was? That was her prayer closet. They found her in the prayer closet. She had scriptures up on the wall, pictures of her grandchildren. She's tucked away. Look, they scraped the house. That's the only part of the house that's left standing. And they found her in it. And for 72 years, she was saying, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. And that night when the news came on said, hey, take shelter. She goes straight into her most happy place, her prayer room. And she says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. And the house was destroyed and her children and grandchildren were sure that they were going to find her dead body in there. And they get to the house. This must have been like the three Hebrew boys in the fire. <laughs> they knew that they'd be dead, but they, they saw. And then they saw a fourth man like Jesus is in the prayer closet with Miss Ernestine Reese that night. And they found her and they bring her out. And her first response is not, my life has been destroyed. She's laughing and telling Kiki to thank God because this ain't nothing but the power of God. Friends, I'll tell you, if you lose your prayer life, if you lose your prayer life, you die. And I'm, this is a metaphor, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to get all dark and heavy here, but look, she tucked herself away in the presence of God for all of her life. And when the storm hit, she knew how to laugh her way through. And if you will pray, and if you will seek God's face, and if you'll say, set the world right and do what's best and keep us safe from ourselves and the devil, whenever the storm comes, people will come and they'll find rubble everywhere, but they'll hear you laughing and they'll hear you praying and they'll pick you up and they'll give you some oxygen and they'll give you that little t-shirt to wipe your head that's soaked and you'll laugh and you'll say it ain't nothing but the power of God. Friends, a church that forgets how to pray is a church that has lost its soul. But a church that knows how to pray 
is a church that will weather the storms. And we've lived it here at New Life. We have watched this time and time and time again. And you've lived it, many of you, in your own lives. I'm saying today, it's time to wake back up. Spend your life interceding. Find yourself a place and write your list and spend your life in the World Prayer Center with us and keep worshiping on Sundays. And as you do, you will look up at the end and you'll say, I don't even know how this worked. It must be the power of God. Friends, would you stand with me today? As the band comes, we're gonna practice this. We're gonna take these ancient words of Jesus up on our lips right now, and we're gonna create a little five-minute prayer meeting here. So I'm gonna ask you, no spectators, I'm gonna ask you to sign back up and to, to, to be prepared to pray with us. What we're gonna do is put the Lord's Prayer up on the screen, and we're gonna pray through it by stanza, by phrase. And so we'll pray one and I'll ask you to stop and then we'll drill a little bit deeper. Would you join me now as they put this prayer up on the screen and pray these words that Jesus taught us to pray saying, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now stop, hallowed be thy name. I pray when we're all old, that we'd be able to look back at our lives and say the most important thing about us is that we were marked by the name of the Lord. Our Father, first of all, do you believe that to be the truest statement? Do you believe that he's not the CEO that's too busy? Do you believe that he is your Father? Right now, would you just say, our Father who art in heaven, would you hallow his name? Would you call on the name of Jesus who is our salvation? Would you say, come Holy Spirit, the prayer that Pastor Brady's been teaching us to pray for 15 and a half years, hallowed be thy name. Come on church, right now, use your own words. Stir it up in prayer. Our Father, we depend on you. We look for you. We trust in you. Your name is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. I see people holding little babies right now. Pray the name of the Lord over your children. Pray the name of the Lord over your business. Pray the name of the Lord over your neighborhood. Pray the name of the Lord over your physical health. Come on, church, right now, our Father who is in heaven, we hallow your name. Let's pray this next phrase by saying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now stop there. Look at those words. Where are you living in a season of chaos? Where are you living in, in, in the rubble of a story that went bad? A storm blew in and, 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 and knocked the house down. You're still here, but you're looking at the rubble right now. You're like Miss Ernestine in that first moment. Can you just begin to speak the peace of God into that situation? Would you invite the, the work of the Spirit into that situation? Would you pray over the relationship that's in rubble? Come on right now, church, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Do it here. Lord, we're not just waiting for heaven. We pray that Revelation 21 and Isaiah 25 would happen more and more right here, right now. Wipe away the tears from our faces, we pray, Lord. Rebuke the devil for our sake, Lord. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Let's go to the next phrase and let's pray together. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Some of you need miraculous provision right now. Would you ask the Lord to open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing? Some of you just need daily peace. You need daily composure. You need a deep breath of fresh air. You, you, you just need God to give you what you need to make it through this Sunday. Would you ask him right now for his daily provision? Would you ask him to teach you how to trust? We want yearly provision. He says daily. And so Lord, right now as New Life Church, we invite you to teach us to trust you. What are they saying? Oh, for grace to trust you more. Lord, we trust you for our daily provision. Let's go to the next phrase. And now let's pray this together saying, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The first part of that, God never turns away the humble. If you're asking for forgiveness today, he says, oh, absolutely. And there's a smile on his face. God is for you. And so shame be rebuked right now in Jesus name. No more shame covering you. You are clean by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? But that second part, as we forgive those who trespass against us, can you just start to bless those that have cursed you? Can you just start to give goodness and mercy? Can you just start to ask God to be kind to them as he's been kind to you? Come on, church, let's pray. Lord, forgive us our trespasses, even as we forgive those who trespass against us. And final phrase, let's pray it together. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, we pray that you would protect us from ourselves and from the devil. Some of you feel like the devil's been tightening the screws on you. And I want you right now just to begin to rebuke the devil. Cast him out. Cast him out. Jesus said, if you command this thing to go, it goes. Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And the devil has wanted you to lose your peace. And just say, you must go today. I am a child of God. Lord, thank you for keeping us safe from the devil. And Lord, keep us from being stupid. Let's pray this final phrase. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Lord, we trust you. I wanna invite our communion servers to come down. If you're new with us, what we do at this point is we come through the room, there's servers in the front and, and uh, in the back and you'll receive your elements, go back and sit down, hold them there as we worship. If you can't physically move through the room, tap your neighbor and ask, you, ask them to bring you one. They'll be happy to. As we worship, let's trust in Jesus. Pastor Brady will come in just a minute and we'll receive together.